Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, May 29th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion and it means, in your going up. Numbers 12, 1-16 Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because the Cushite woman he had married. He married a Cushite woman. They said, Has Hashem spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? Hashem heard it. Now Moses was a very humble man, more so than any other man on earth. Suddenly Hashem said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. So the three of them went out. Hashem came down, and a pillar of cloud stopped at the entrance of the tent and called out Aaron and Miriam. The two of them came forward. And he said, Hear these my words. When a Navi of Hashem arises among you, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is trusted throughout my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, plainly and not in riddles. And he beholds the likeness of Hashem. How then did you not shrink from speaking against my servant Moses? Still incensed with them, Hashem departed. As the cloud withdrew from the tent, there was was Miriam stricken with snow-white scales. When Aaron turned toward Miriam, he saw that she was stricken with scales. And Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, account not to us the sin which we committed in our folly. 
Let her not be as one dead who emerges from his mother's womb with half his flesh eaten away. So Moses cried out to Hashem, saying, O Hashem, I pray that you heal her. But Hashem said to Moses, If her father spat in her face, would she not bear her shame for seven days? Let her be shut out of camp for seven days, and then let her be readmitted. So Miriam was shut out of camp seven days, and the people did not march on until Miriam was readmitted. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and encamped in the wilderness of Paran. Second Samuel 14, 1-15, 22 Joab, son of Zeruiah, could see that the king's mind was on Absalom. So Joab sent to Tekoa and brought a clever woman from there. He said to her, Pretend you are in mourning. Put on mourning clothes and don't anoint yourself with oil and act like a woman who has grieved a long time over a departed one. Go to the king and say to him thus and thus. And Joab told her what to say. The woman of Tekoa came to the king, flung herself face down to the ground and prostrated herself. She cried out, Help, O king! The king asked her, What troubles you? And she answered, Alas, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Your maidservant had two sons. The two of them came to blows out in the fields, where there was no one to stop them. And one of them struck the other and killed him. Then the whole clan confronted your maidservant and said, Hand over the one who killed his brother, that we may put him to death for the slaying of his brother even though we wipe out the air. Thus they would quench the last ember remaining to me and leave my husband without name or remnant upon the earth. The king said to the woman, Go home, I will issue an order in your behalf. The woman of Tekoa said to the king, My lord king, may the guilt be on me and on my ancestral house. Your majesty and his throne are guiltless. The king said, If anyone says anything more to you, have him brought to me, and he will never trouble you again. She replied, Let your majesty be mindful of Hashem your God, and restrain the blood avenger bent on destruction, so that my son may not be killed. And he said, As Hashem lives, not a hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Then the woman said, Please let your maidservant say another word to my lord the king. Speak on, said the king. And the woman said, Why then have you planned the like against Hashem's people? In making this pronouncement, your majesty condemns himself, in that your majesty does not bring back his own banished one. We must all die. We are like water that is poured out on the ground and cannot be gathered up. The Lord will not take away the life of one who makes plans so that no one may be kept banished. And the reason I have come to say these things to the king, my lord, is that the people have frightened me. Your maidservant thought I would speak to your majesty. Perhaps your majesty would act on his handmaid's plea. For your majesty would surely agree to deliver his handmaid from the hands of anyone who would seek to cut off both me and my son from the heritage of Hashem. Your maidservant thought, Let the word of my lord the king provide comfort. For my lord the king is like an angel of Hashem, understanding everything good and bad. May Hashem your God be with you. 
In reply, the king said to the woman, Do not withhold from me anything I ask you. The woman answered, Let my lord the king speak. The king asked, Is Joab in league with you in all of this? The woman replied, As you live, my lord the king, it is just as my lord the king says, Yes. Your servant Joab was the one who instructed me, and it was he who told your maidservant everything she has to say. It was to conceal the real purpose of the matter that your servant Joab did this thing. My lord is as wise as an angel of Hashem, and he knows all that goes on in the land. Then the king said to Joab, I will do this thing. Go and bring back my son, Absalom. Joab flung himself face down on the ground and prostrated himself. Joab blessed the king and said, Today your servant knows that he has found favor with you, my lord king, for your majesty has granted his servant's request. And Joab went at once to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. But the king said, Let him go directly to his house and not present himself to me. So Absalom went directly to his house and did not present himself to the king. No one in all Israel was so admired for his beauty as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, he was without blemish. When he cut his hair, he had to have it cut every year, for it grew too heavy for him. The hair of his head weighed two hundred shekels by the royal weight. Absalom had three sons and a daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a beautiful woman. Absalom lived in Jerusalem two years without appearing before the king. Then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab would not come to him. He sent for him a second time, but he would not come. So Absalom said to his servants, Look, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Joab came at once to Absalom's house and said to him, Why did your servant set fire to my field? Absalom replied to Joab, I sent for you to come here. I wanted to send you to the king to say on my behalf, Why did I leave Geshur? I would be better off if I were still there. Now let me appear before the king, and if I am guilty of anything, let him put me to death. Joab went to the king and reported to him, whereupon he summoned Absalom. He came to the king and flung himself face down to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom. Sometime afterward, Absalom provided himself with a chariot, horses, and fifty outrunners. Absalom used to rise early and stand by the road to the city gate. And whenever a man had a case that he was to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? And when he answered, Your servant is is from such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, It is clear that your claim is right and just, but there is no one assigned to you by the king to hear it. And Absalom went on, If only I were appointed judge in the land, and everyone with a legal dispute came before me, I would see that he got his rights. And if a man approached to bow him, Absalom would extend his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. Absalom did this to every Israelite who came to the king for judgment. Thus Absalom won away the hearts of the men of Israel. After a period of forty years had gone by, Absalom said to the king, 
Let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow that I made to Hashem. For your servant made a vow when I lived in Geshur of Aram. If Hashem ever brings me back to Jerusalem, I will worship Hashem. The king said to him, Go in peace, and so he set out for Hebron. But Absalom sent agents to all the tribes of Israel to say, When you hear the blast of the horn, announce that Absalom has become king in Hebron. Two hundred men of Jerusalem accompanied Absalom. They were invited and went in good faith, suspecting nothing. Absalom also sent to fetch Ahitophel the Gilanite, David's counselor from his town Gilo, when the sacrifices were to be offered. The conspiracy gained strength, and the people supported Absalom in increasing numbers. Someone came and told David, The loyalty of the men of Israel has veered toward Absalom. Whereupon David said to all the courtiers who were with him in Jerusalem, Let us flee at once, or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must get away quickly, or he will soon overtake us and bring down disaster upon us and put the city to the sword. The king's courtiers said to the king, Whatever our lord the king decides, your servants are ready. So the king left, followed by his entire household, except for ten concubines whom the king left to mind the palace. The king left, followed by all the people, and they stopped at the last house. All his followers marched past him, including all the Cherethites and all the Pelethites and all the Gittites, six hundred men who had accompanied him from Gath, also marched by the king. And the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you two go with us? Go back and stay with the new king, for you are a foreigner, and you are also an exile from your country. You came only yesterday. Should I make you wander about with us today, when I myself must go wherever I can? Go back and take your kinsmen with you in true faithfulness. Ittai replied to the king, As Hashem lives, and as my lord the king lives, wherever my lord the king may be, there your servant will be, whether for death or for life. And David said to Ittai, Then march by. And Ittai the Gittite and all his men and all the children who were with him marched by. John 18, 1-24 When Yeshua had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Brook Hedron, where there was a garden, into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Yeshua oftentimes resorted there with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Yeshua therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Yeshua of Nazareth. Yeshua said to them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said to them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Yeshua of Nazareth. Yeshua answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, Of them which you gave me have I lost none. 
Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Yeshua to Peter, Put up your sword into your sheath. The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band, and the captain, and the officers of the Jews took Yeshua and bound him, and led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Yeshua, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known to the high priest, and went in with Yeshua into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside, then went out that other disciple which was known to the high priest, and spoke unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then said the damsel that kept the door to Peter, Are you not also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. And the servants and the officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Yeshua of his disciples and of his doctrine. Yeshua answered him, I spoke openly to the world I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, where the Jews always go, and in secret have I said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask them which heard me what I have said to them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Yeshua with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest so? Yeshua answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you smite me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas the high priest. Psalm 119, 97-112 Oh, how I love your Torah! It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and will perform it, that I will keep your righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I beseech you, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget your Torah. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from your precepts. Your testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes always, even unto the end.
Proverbs 16, 8-9 Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Numbers chapter 12, and then we're going to jump into 2 Samuel. And in chapter 12, we see that Miriam and Aaron are now beginning to speak against Moses, and they had an ought with him. Their ought was that he married a Cushite woman. So they began to murmur against him, and it was a rebellious spirit. It was Lashom Hara. And in verse 2, they said, Has Hashem spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And Hashem heard it. Now verse 3, Moses was a very humble man, more so than any other man on earth. What does that look like? Moses did not become offended. Moses did not become angry. Moses did not seek to defend himself or seek revenge. He was unoffendable. And to be unoffendable, one must be humble. Our flesh is what gets offended when someone says something or does something to bother us or get our our fur up. But if we've completely died to our flesh, to our ego and our pride, we don't get offended. So now the Lord says in verse 8, well, let me start with verse 7. Not so with my servant Moses. This is the Lord speaking. He is trusted throughout my household. Verse 8, with him I speak mouth to mouth plainly and not in riddles. And he beholds the likeness of Hashem. How then did you not shrink from speaking against my servant Moses? The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The prophecy of Moses was qualitatively different than that of any other prophet to have ever lived. According to Jewish teaching, prophets generally received their prophecy in a dream or trance and were given a message that they needed to decode before they could deliver it to the people. They expressed and wrote these messages in their own words, though the messages themselves were divine. Moses' prophecy, though, was different. As the verse indicates, he spoke to God, as it were, face to face. When receiving his prophecy, Moses was fully conscious, and he heard Hashem's messages word for word. It is through this level of prophecy that the five books of Moses were written. Not only are the messages of the books divine, but the words themselves were given directly by the Lord. What happens next is that Miriam is struck with leprosy. Now, in this translation that I read, it just says white scales, but in the King James, it says in verses numbers chapter 12 verses 9 and 10 and the anger of the lord was kindled against them and he departed verse 10 and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle and behold miriam became leprous white as snow and aaron looked upon miriam and behold she was leprous now i want to make a connection for you 
that the leprosy was connected to her sin of the mouth, of Lashom Hara, of grumbling, murmuring, and speaking against Moses. And so later on in another part of the Torah, there's a whole couple of chapters all about how to deal with leprosy, and you have to go get inspected by the priest, and you have to step away and be isolated or quarantined and outside the camp. And that was what happened here, was that Miriam was isolated and quarantined and put outside the camp for seven days, and then she was allowed to rejoin them. So think about it. If someone has poison in their words and they are spreading rebellion or lies or fear amongst the people with their words, how do you put that kind of fire out? You put them in timeout. You put them in a isolation quarantine so that their words can no longer be spread amongst the people. So here's a principle, a real nuts and bolts application for our lives. When we're in a circumstance or a situation uh, with other people where we get tempted to fly off the handle, we get angry, we become impatient, we become frustrated, and then we say words that are hurtful, very, very hurtful, what do we need to do? We need to put ourselves in time out. Step away from the person, step away from the situation and go for a walk or go to another room or just step away and get some fresh air and cool off so that we are not loosing words into the atmosphere that are poisoning. And let me tell you, this week I have some guests that are staying with me, one adult and three children, and there have been moments, it's a family member, when I thought I had quenched and repented of the anger, (laughs) the temper that I once had. I thought that that was long gone and repented of and not an issue anymore. But boy, put me in the right circumstances and it can just come right back up to the surface. And I've had to put myself in time out several times to cool off and cool down. And so that I don't allow hurtful, harmful words to escape out of my mouth. I don't want to hurt the ones I love. And I have in the past. And I don't want to do that anymore. And so it's a principle that if you're with a spouse or a family member or a co-worker and someone says something that is hurtful, they hurl at you, they just push your buttons and make you frustrated or angry. Put yourself in timeout. That's what Moses did with Miriam. She was in timeout for seven days so that she could no longer spread words of rebellion, words of negativity against the leader of the camp. It's a good principle. I'm going to stop there and have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow.
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>